Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joe. It's your buddy Pete. Hey, Andy. Hey there, it's Kayla. And hey, I'm James. James. Well, <laughs> well, uh, we have uh, probably our, our our biggest guest ever for the Geekiest podcast. We have Mr. James Intercasso. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is a podcaster with uh, his own network, the Don't Split the Podcast Network including his fine tabletop babble uh, show. Um, he also is the DM for the Demon Plague podcast uh, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, Have Spellbook Will Travel was a great uh, uh, dramatic uh, podcast that James was involved with. <laughs> I, involved he was the the lead talent. Yeah, yeah and I and I wrote a bunch of the episodes too. Wow, thank you so much. That is a that is a deep deep dive. Uh, <laughs> oh 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 you, sir, I, I'm, I'm going to fanboy. Um, but you, sir, when, when I, when I first found out about you, I don't remember exactly where. Um, but just your, what you're doing, podcasting wise, and what you're doing, I, I left out. He's a, a guild adept for the DMs Guild. Uh, has been involved with every official product from D uh, Dungeons and Dragons since Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, Ferris Bueller, you're Cobalt. my hero. <laughs> wait to find out which parts i wrote before you say that <laughs> okay if it's dragon heist i have i have one bone to pick um but uh, um you've worked with kobold press on uh creature codex uh the margrave book i know i'm leaving stuff out because you are just uh you did burn bright for you worked on burn bright for roll 20. yes yes expect an announcement about that soon uh, the the sort of official release date for that so yeah that's, Ooh, what that's a tease <laughs> thank you we like it, it. <laughs> you know joe you know joe just gave his whole rundown here about about you james and i just i gotta admit i peed a little i, probably, <laughs> I, I wasn't truthful by saying that yes i went before the show so i mean <laughs> you know andy i keep telling you i know <laughs> towels everyone towels please <laughs> so so uh, uh um incredible credentials that we could go on forever joe is our resident knows everything he has the memory he's our resident elephant so if you need a fact you go to joe well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna for for a deep dive on me i would like to give joe a, a geek point if i there could we go yeah, Why, thank you yes first point of the show there we go to joe hey, hey, hey slow it down you just got here bro okay <laughs> you try hard <laughs> um so i i guess the question uh you know through the show we've all discussed how we got into playing D D, and uh so i guess the question for you and i know you have heard you ask it i don't know a hundred times or so right. to your guests 
James, how did you get involved in Dungeons and Dragons? I have like the most typical white guy Dungeons and Dragons story ever, uh, which is that I started playing uh, when my older brother and his friends needed a cleric and they were playing in my parents' basement. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> can, can we have a healer, please? <laughs> yeah that was the their cleric went home early and they were like and i had been watching them right i'd watched them play probably two or three times at that point and i was obsessed i was like this is a game where you can do anything you can do anything right i was probably about nine years old um and uh and they that would make them like in their 13 14 year old uh you know age group um which was just enough to make me like a big loser to them right uh, and, and the annoying kid brother um and uh and so i was begging my brother to let me play and then when their cleric left early they were like okay you can play right and they they brought me in uh and i had a couple other friends who were there with me and uh and so um eventually like as my brother's friends petered off one by one he sort of ended up running a game for my friends who were there right like we all sort of took each slot <laughs> as the people uh uh went out and then next day uh, my friend Rich, who had played with us, said, I went home and I told my dad about this game that we played that I could not understand. Right. Se it was second edition. So like uh, okay. that's, that's hard math for a for a nine year old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's hard math for a lot of grownups. Yes. Yeah. And so his dad um, gave him this book uh, called The Fantasy Trip, um, which was a Steve Jackson games uh, book. And uh, it's actually like a precursor to GURPS, the GURPS okay. role-playing game. <laughs> uh, but it is it is much simpler. Um, and uh, they actually, Steve Jackson Games just had a Kickstarter where they they re-released it. And I, I got a copy, like, for old time's sake. Uh, and we played that for a long time until third edition D&D came out. Uh, Man, I'm going to definitely give you a, a geek point for the old school Steve Jackson there. That's That's a beautiful thing. Also, I, I love that your your immediate reaction was, this is a game where I can do anything. I think that has been like the beautiful hook, like fish hook that's hit so many of us, you know, this idea that like, oh, I don't have to be me. I can do whatever. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, these kids today with their open world Skyrims and their <laughs> thieving of grand autos and, and that kind of thing. Right. They can all shaking our fists at them. <laughs> I say as I was playing Modern Warfare ten minutes before we went online. <laughs> as, as opposed to as opposed to GURPS, where you can literally be anything you want as long as it's logically explainable, right. and you have it, and you have and, enough points to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you're willing to spend a long time uh, uh, building the character and and uh, you know um, computing like bite pressures and things like that. I had a friend who wrote a book uh, that was all about like grappling, and they oh, were looking up like. This was for GURPS, right? They were looking up like the bite pressure for alligators and stuff to know how you grappled an alligator when you were caught in its mouth. And, uh, GURPS is crazy, like, man. It's well, crazy. we're all in Florida, so let me just tell you something about the bite pressure of an alligator. <laughs> I assume you all just have uh, an alligator wrapped in a Burmese python uh, somewhere near you in Florida. I'm right? actually sitting on the back oh, yeah. of one right now. It's where I, I use my computer from. <laughs> um, it's right next to the public sub, yes. Um, yeah, and the crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, um, 
my, my, I have a, a sister who, uh, she is a uh, member of the Seminole tribe of Florida. And uh, at, at some point in her childhood, she was uh, entering in a pageant. And I got to meet the chief of the tribe, James Billy, um, who had previous to the meeting had lost part of his thumb to an alligator because he went in to show that he still had the alligator wrestling skills. Oops. Um, yeah, he, he got the thing, he got part of the thumb back and kept it in a container around his neck. So when you say one, previous one to the say, meeting, oh, oh sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say one could say he no longer had the chops. <laughs> that is a geek point, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> James, you were going to say? Oh uh, yeah. So when you say previous to the meeting, do you mean that like on his way to the meeting? No, okay. no. Like a, I think it was. I think it was like a week before. <laughs> Week before the the uh, the ceremony we were at, he had lost his part of his thumb in an alligator wrestling accident, which is, I think, one of the most Florida things you can say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So so we got you, you're like well, you and I are kind of similar in that way. As I started at like eight or nine, uh, my brother brought home the Red Book. Mm-hmm. I was initially worried, and and as you've worked with with Dungeons and Dragons. I don't have to worry about the D&D police coming after me because I played it before the age of 10, which was the age was 10 and up on the box. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. There's been a lot of stress about that in Joe's life. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, there's a statute of limitations, right? And oh, uh, okay. to run out the D&D police can no longer, once a new edition has come out, they can't arrest you for anything you've done in the old edition. That's I was wondering if it was just because this was TSR and now wizard. So I was, I was hoping maybe in the, the corporate transfer that that warrant was lost. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's in a warehouse somewhere with the original maps of the forgotten realms and dark sun <laughs> right next to the Ark of the covenant. <laughs> Because I love the concept that a new edition negates any crimes committed during the previous edition. (laughs) (laughs) You're in your first books. Who actually enforces that department? Please tell me it's Satine Phoenix. I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Yes. I mean, uh, then then that works out because she she is the, well, she's the herald of, of uh, happiness or joyfulness or of compassion. Yes. Compassion. Yes. Herald of compassion, but also enforcing the rules. Uh, Like the epitome of lawful good, the epitome of lawful. I believe that about her. (laughs) So you, you get into playing, the D and D. Did you did you have the drop off like most folks do, or did or were you just a consistent player? So I pretty consistently uh, have have played. I uh, you know I think it was more sporadic in college. I would play with my high school friends consistently every summer. Uh, at college, I had trouble getting people to play with me the first two years or so um i was uh i'm like a big uh, big theater guy um so i'm sure that's shocking uh to that uh someone oh. plays and Dragons also <laughs> like theater um but uh but like my theater friends were not very into it until i was a junior and uh and some of the incoming freshmen and and some of the sophomores were like hey we heard that you do this thing do you do you want to play like will you teach us how we've always wanted to play um and so uh so we played uh we played some games in Eberron and we played uh we had a pretty consistent mutants and masterminds game uh too that we uh we played um because my friends and I we would all go to the uh the comic 
book shop together every Wednesday for new comic book day. Um, and so we were like, we got to play a superhero game. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, other than, other than that, it's been uh, very, very consistent. Uh, I remember trying to play on, uh, I like moved to Atlanta right after college. And so uh, for a while I didn't have a group and then I found one at a game store. But in the meantime, I played on Google wave. Do you guys remember Google wave? Uh, I have no idea. What that is. Nope. That's a geek point for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Google wave is essentially what uh, discord and Slack uh, are now. Um, okay. And it was this thing that Google put out a long time ago is uh, very ahead of its time for stealing your information. Um, but, and we would play by like, uh, pulling down battle map images and then editing them to move a token and then re uploading them, uh, to this, uh, to this thing. And you could have different channels and you could have private conversations and, uh, you know, very, very much like what we know discord as today, uh, only discord is way more powerful and can do more things, but, uh, but yeah, Google wave. Man, Uh, I love the commitment of that. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and then, um, you know, and now, uh, I, I sort of just kept playing and, uh, kept finding groups and, uh, and then I started a podcast, uh, and, uh, and a guy named uh, Jeff Greiner was nice enough to let me on his, uh, show to do that. The, the Tome show, um, I wrote to him for some advice and he said, it sounds like a great idea for a show. Why don't you come do it for me? And I was like, wow, that is so kind. And I did. Uh, and I knew that I was fortunate enough to have like his built in subscribers. And I was like, I got to do something else. I've always wanted to write a blog about D&D. So uh, this will give me the the motivation to do it because now I have like a thing I can uh, point people towards. And so uh, and that's kind of how it all uh, like me uh, sharing game stuff that I had written with people other than, you know, the people I was actually playing with started. That's oh. very cool. Yeah. See, I, I did it backwards. I did the blog first and then the 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 podcast. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's the cycle, right? That's the cycle of um doing too much shit, right? Like w- w- you'll find me somewhere and then it'll feed into the other things uh that I'm doing. I just as long as I don't sleep, I'm going to get you eventually. You're gonna, yeah, I mean, you're going to cross paths with me on the internet. Sleep. sleep what is that? that? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. The only time I sleep is on road trips. Oh uh, yes, that is a geek point for you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I really keep thinking that during this whole quarantine, it's like, oh, we're all on quarantine. Like I can get caught up and do some of my own writing and stuff like that. You know how much I've done? I've done zero percent. Zero percent of that. That's not it. <laughs> how am I so busy when no one's going anywhere? <laughs> Well, the, you know, the pe- we're all trapped inside and terrified right now. Like, I, as long as you're just getting through the day, you should be proud of yourself, Pete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You know, days are at the end of the day. I'm like, I'm still healthy. Thank God. That's what I got going on. To to be fair, though, Pete has been uh, he he's works in an essential uh, business. So he's been having to to leave the confines of his home. Uh, and, exactly. up, and then up until what a, a week or so ago, uh, you were still in, in in your semester at at college. Uh, yeah, actually, I got one week off at the end of the spring semester, and I've already begun the summer semester. I'm currently taking two right. classes at the end of the summer. I have my AA, so I'm the uh, yeah going into becoming the college junior that wants to start a D and D group with a bunch of freshmen. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, let me give you some tips. Uh, <laughs> Please masterminds. Do. Great way to great way to play. Uh, Open to suggestions. Uh, Google Wave. Check Google out wave. Google Wave. <laughs> <laughs> 
pull that out of the Google archives. <laughs> Um, so, so then, what what was the transition then from podcaster and blogger to putting stuff out on the DMs Guild? Yeah, so the the I had started podcasting during the D and D Next playtest, um, yeah. uh, which was this big public playtest. Uh, I'm sure I don't need to explain it to you. Uh, should I explain it for your listeners? I, I'm not sure. Um, uh, yeah, why why not? I, I don't think we've we've covered the the playtest uh at that point in time uh the the i was running a fourth edition campaign we were mm-hmm. well entrenched in that uh so D next i was aware of it and i saw stuff and i even played a little bit with a friend i don't i don't think i really ever exposed uh my friends to the D next stuff yeah it was this weird uh, play test basically that that formed uh fifth edition um and it was like two and a half years of D putting out free pdfs some of them you know over 100 pages long with like class options and spells and rules and uh and if you looked at the first packet which i'm sure can be found somewhere online i still um, have several of those by the way <laughs> yeah andy right very different like it is so yeah. Uh, where they started versus where they ended up, which is uh, like, that was like a fascinating journey. And believe it or not, at the time, there weren't a ton of podcasts where people were talking about D&D, right? Um, yeah. And that's why I, how I got the idea for the show uh, was was uh, doing that because I love talking about the D&D Next playtest. And then on my blog, uh, I was writing a lot of content. Um, so like first it started out as like, this is my homebrew world and this is what I'm writing for it. And then I was like, you know, I'm I'm making a monster for it. Here's the monster. I'm. I'm going to let my players, uh, you know, have this option for Warforged uh, as a, a player race, right? Because it's not an option yet in 5th edition. Uh, and so, like, I was putting stuff like that up, backgrounds and things like that, um, that I was building for for my players to use and, and for my world. Um, and my plan was, like, someday there's going to be a place, right? There's going to be an open gaming license, hopefully, for this edition. And maybe I'll be able to sell it, right? Or maybe not. Um, and luckily when the DM guild came out, cause I, I didn't really know a ton then. And I put a lot of stuff in my writing. Like I put wizards IP, right? Like beholders okay. and mind flayers. Yeah. And at the time I wasn't making money. So nobody cared, um, uh, that I, because I wasn't making money off the blog or anything like that. Uh, and so when they said we've, we're releasing this license, but we're also putting out, uh, this marketplace, I thought, oh, this is great. I just need to put my stuff in PDF form and I can, I can already have it ready to go. And they said, like, we're going to be looking for writers there. We're going to be looking for uh, people to do Adventurers League content, possibly help with hardcovers and stuff like that. So I thought, like, let me get I have all this stuff. People were very kind and commented on it and and that kind of thing. Like, I it feels ready to go. So let me see if I can figure it out. Uh, those PDFs, uh, many of them in their original uh basically word document layout uh are there on the dms guild still uh i don't think they would have sold nearly as well if i put them up today because today yeah. the the game has been upped so much on the dms guild uh like all, every single bestseller is 
super professional quality, uh, play tested, you know, all things that I do now with my products. Um, but, uh, but even like the, you know, somebody who's like, Hey, I'm new to the DMs guild scene, check out my thing. It's like amazing right off the get go. Um, so, but mine were not, and the, it was kind of like the wild west on the guild in those days. Um, so that's, that's how I, I started, uh, doing some DMs guild stuff. And from there it built, I got to do some adventurers league things. Um, and then one day, uh, Chris Perkins DM'd me through Twitter uh, and said, hey, James, I would like to uh, check out some of your stuff on DMs Guild. Can you like point me to some of your favorites, right? And uh, then you peed, right? And then you just peed right there, right? Just I, let it go. It was just <laughs> like... Pants and everything. Exactly. It was like Andy at the beginning of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I knew you and I were going to get along, James. It's just I knew it. Man. <laughs> um, and uh, and and like me right now, uh, I just peed my pants with excitement. <laughs> and uh, and then like a month went by and I just heard nothing from him. Right. Like so I sent him a thing and uh, and then I was like, did this happen? Like, was I was I trolled? <laughs> did I have a friend pretend to be Chris Perkins? You know what I mean? Like it all happened over. <laughs> Twitter, very strange. Uh, and so I reached out and I just said, like, hey, if there's any um feedback you'd like to give me, let me know. Like, I know you're really busy, but uh, but it means the world to me that you even asked this. And I, you know, and he said, uh, actually, I, I want to know if you'd like to write on this new adventure we have coming up. It's codenamed Broadway, um, yada yada. Uh, and that was Dragon Heist, uh, which uh which uh was the first thing that I got to write with Wizards of the Coast, and it was great. Um so that's kind of of how it went and and from there i've been very lucky uh you know i've gotten to work with uh matt mercer and uh i'm working with matt colville right now all the mats you know all those all rpg mats we love all the mats <laughs> do, do, you all, do you ever get to communicate with matt cernet then i mean for doing uh, all the art you know what i when matt cernet was at wizards of the coast uh i was lucky enough to be flown out for a meeting for Baldur's gate descent into avernus uh like we had two days of meetings of like coming up with story ideas and stuff uh which was awesome and he was in a bunch of those meetings so i did get to meet matt cernet <laughs> so cool. you have the matt trifecta that's right that's right. Uh, That's yeah. like goals in the D and D world to meet all the mats. <laughs> meet every mat. Yeah, exactly. Matt Bingo. The, right. That's it. Geek point for all the mats. <laughs> it's gonna be great when all the mats win this podcast. <laughs> one day, from your lips to the universe's ears, one day. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I mean, listen, I am very curious about all of you, though, right? You you all are playing games right now. I want to know what are you playing, right? Like, <laughs> what, what games are you playing and, and are you running the game? If not, what's your character like? Get, hit me up. Hit me up. I want to know. Oh, right. uh, uh, let's let's start with um, let's take this in order. Let's start with Andy and we'll work our way down. <laughs> all right. So I have a bone to pick with you because I am playing uh, Dragon Heist right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, whatever you don't like, James Hake wrote. So I only wrote the good parts that you like. Uh, no, I like his no, I like his encounters on, on D D Beyond. So, you know. Ah, darn, he got me. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good encounters. Those are very good. Um no, I'm I'm running I'm running uh Dragon Heist right now, uh for uh, uh, a mainly 
uh, newbie group. Uh, everybody is everybody in the group is easily ten years my younger, except for my wife and my and one of my best friends. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, we're all having we're all having a blast. We're having a great time. This is I felt that it was like the best uh, uh, of the modules to to use as a teaching tool uh, for new players besides like Lost Mine of Fandelver, which I've already, I've already run and in the previous game that I had ran. So I wanted to try out something new. I absolutely adore this storyline. It's an amazing book. Um, we're starting to get into like the final leg of the journey. Um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll say that, that I, I ended up choosing to run the adventure in autumn. So that gives you, that lets you know who the villain is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I, I did, I did write some of the autumn storyline. So, uh, did you? Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So this is why I'm angry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's, it's a really, really awesome module. Uh, I don't have any complaints about it. Um, it, uh, it is okay if you do. Uh, and I, well, I mean, the, the only, the only, the only thing I would, I would have to say about it is once you start getting into the, 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 the section where it's like, you have to go from place to place, to place, to place, like the encounters and you end up at the old windmill and, and whatnot. Uh, I just, I just feel like the layout of it, which you have nothing to do with, obviously, was was a little just it's a little strange the way it's laid out. It's like, OK, you can go to this, but then you have to scroll all the way down to get to this section to tell you what's in that what's in those rooms and things like that. And the, but the description of the rooms is at the beginning. And that's that is like literally my only complaint. The rest of it is gold. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, so that section um, was kind of a bitch to write uh, for that reason uh, that it was, uh, you know, you had to you had to go up and down um, and it is it is hard to to run. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I, I agree. I kind of wish if we had had the page space, I think the way it would have been done is like each of these locations four times right and and right. what's in each room depending on the season but it was a constraint of the number of pages that were in the in the book um that sort of led us to uh, to lay it out that way and obviously now you know a couple of years later i'm sure we could have thought of uh, other ways to do it um so but can i may i please give andy a a geek point uh <laughs> for introducing new people to D, &D uh, doing the Absolutely. lord's work uh, <laughs> well thank you for that no i i just i think i think the module is fantastic um uh i have literally that's i have just that that one piece the rest of it is just absolutely amazing so so thank you for that by the way thank you very very cool all right pete what are you doing these days nothing <laughs> oh i don't know just working full-time going to school and raising your children that's it occasionally it's basic gaming so once in a while you you are a player. Uh, I, I guess occasionally. So I, uh, I'm part of Joe's homebrew game. Um, just speaking very briefly on my own history in the game. Um, I've kind of been playing tabletop RPGs off and on since I was, uh, I don't know, about 18, 19. I consider myself to be a late bloomer, but I guess the more I hear it, it sounds like a lot of people started around that time. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's about 20 years um, for me, give or take. Um, currently, I uh, am having the pleasure of um, playing a, a paladin, which is a first for me. I For me, the game has always been about, let me do something I've never done before. I want to like think outside the box. I want a character create outside the box. Um, so... The current build was a concept of let me take 
a traditionally very like lawful good archetype and just push it push it to like its limits of like this guy maybe isn't so lawful good um you know it's kind of conceptually sort of that jack bauer in 24 kind of idea like the guy who you know he's trying to he thinks he's trying to do something really good but holy crap maybe that was a bad way of doing it you are not um your character to jack bauer i'm sorry that's not happening <laughs> he thinks he is um does your character uh, instantly get results through torture like jack bauer it has happened in this game. <laughs> there was was a circumstance in which he he waterboarded someone already. Um, it was it was an uncomfortable scene, but uh, that's a thing that happened, and I own it. Um, it. It was your character and not you, which I think is an important distinction, right? <laughs> Let's go with yes. Legally speaking, my lawyer instructed me that really it was um it was only my character and. Uh, I don't even know where the idea came from. It didn't even come from my head, legally speaking. Um, I'm distancing myself from that. You, you, um, saw, it on, you saw it on TV, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> for, me, for me, gaming has always been about homebrew worlds. Uh, not to, you know, like, I mean, I think what you do is, is amazing. And it's so good to have these um, these modules for everybody. For me, like, I when I have run games, I love making the world, um, which, you know, I understand and I see that that is, is the joy that you get too, which is, is a beautiful thing. There's there's something that is just literally truly magical about creating something, about creating something just purely out of your head and vomiting it out of your brain onto onto a page for other people to consume, which is probably the most disgustingly graphic uh, explanation I've ever come up with for D&D. Um, <laughs> but... You know, I mean, it's 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 truly magic to to evoke something and and bring it out into the world from some other plane of existence and then share it with others. And you know, in my experience, uh, on the times where I've I've DM'd games, have them go, wait a minute, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, oh no, you're right. Um, and that's that's why uh, you, you know you're in the position that you're in, and I'm um currently working on a degree in education because uh, making everything make sense is not always my forte, which is maybe dangerous for the next generation of students. <laughs> well, to be fair, you, you are going to teach history and things not making sense kind of goes hand in hand. And in Florida, like no one's going to notice if I mess them up. <laughs> we only have like four real laws and they're all about how to, you know, how to like buy and sell alligator meat. I and mean. when the next edition of Florida comes out, those laws won't apply anymore anyway. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> the next edition of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you move up from I think we're going to go open GL for Florida at this point. <laughs> well, that's, that's when you move up from alligator to crocodile because it's a Fancy. much more... Yeah, yeah. predators. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the long and the short for me. I mean, I, I could certainly do more gaming than I do. I wish I did. Um, but my, my dance card has been a little full the last couple of years and We'll probably yeah, continue well, yeah, to be so for the next couple. Kids, full time job, school, like that's a that's a lot. You're you're doing a lot there, Pete. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. And and we all, you know, I'm <laughs> there are days where I'm like, I don't know how I do this. I just I'm gonna roll over and die now. Mm -hmm. Uh and then I like legitimately, I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but I just stop and I go like everybody has a lot on their plate. And it's just different loads. Everybody's load is big, it's just different. Um and you know, that's that's the reality for all everybody's load is big. <laughs> yeah. Title of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know, yeah. There's there there just has to come, I think, um, for my own sanity as well as for the way I interact with others, 
uh, you know, kind of an acceptance that, man, we're all going through a lot and it's tough. And sometimes, you know, like I get short with people and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, come on. Uh, and I realize, like, just like me and just like I'm cranky and tired and short on the fuse, like, so is everybody else, you know, especially I think right now where we're all like in such a state of what's going on. Is everything OK? You know, uh, are we going to get through this? And the answer is yes. But but, you know, it's it's very tense and it's very stressful for all of us, whether we are, are being good and staying home or being bad and being an essential worker, um, <laughs> which I only say because I am the one who's leaving the house every day. Um, well, I don't but, think that makes you yeah. bad. <laughs> well, yeah, that's more like it, being a hero, dude. Yeah. I mean, I would not describe myself in such terms. I'm, I'm just going to work. But, you know, I mean, there's things that need to get done. I sell medical supplies. So, you know, I'm not doing the doctoring, but I'm making sure the doctors can keep doing the doctoring. So. And that's really important. Don't downplay yeah, that, buddy. Just a little bit that I can do. Yeah. I uh, Thank you. Thank you for that. So. It's my pleasure. Everybody else... In, in the uh, to repeat myself from the last two episodes, everyone else needs to just not be a dick and stay home. And then, uh, you know, it'll be easier for all of us. So just don't be a dick. Stay home. Wear a mask when you need to go out. And, you know, we'll get through this. Yeah. Yeah. I need that on a button. Yeah, just don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't totally. be a dick. Be a dick. Stay home. We do. We have a button maker. I can do that. Um, I'm going to jump the line here because I would like to leave Joe for last because uh, James, he is going to blow your mind with everything that he is doing. Um, so I'm just going to jump in with, with my little two cents here because I don't do a whole lot. Um, I, uh, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joe and I own a thrift store. Um, so most of the time that's what I'm doing is, is running the thrift store. But as far as D&D is concerned, um, Andy is actually the one that introduced me to D&D way back in third edition. Um, so it's all his fault. <laughs> um, there you go. Andy's just introducing people left and right to D and D. Yeah, he's he's actually really good about that. He uh, has a passion for creating passions in people, and that's one of the things we love about him. Um, so I'm, yeah, he I'm, introduced. Go, go, go ahead, Andy. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, I'm literally um, James Halliday of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody to know what I love. <laughs> Seriously, that's a, that's a geek point, right? That's definitely is a geek point. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's really incredible about that. So he introduced me to that, and um, I've kind of been playing ever since. Currently, I am in uh, our our flagship game, Not Safe for Wizards, uh, the same game that Pete is in, um, playing a little halfling rogue. Um, that's a little nutso, and just having fun with that. Uh, and then I DM a game um, that is a that is a homebrew. Uh, I decided a long time ago that I wanted to screw around with old Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, cool! I, <clears throat> I love the uh, the the darkness and the grittiness of like the original Grimm's fairy tales. Um, mm -hmm. So what I did was I created this world where people come from like the normal kind of D and D world wherever, and get transported into this uh, this fairy tale realm. Um, and it's very I don't know if you've ever uh, watched the Tenth Kingdom. It's this awesome little series. Um, but the idea is, is that each kingdom within the world is a different fairy tale theme. Oh, cool. So really it's a lot of fun. Um, I started doing it when I started doing it. I pretty much brought all new players in um, people that either were brand new or like one of our players hadn't played since AD&D. Brought them all in, um, brought in a, a ringer, a friend of ours. And then Joe, I had never really DM'd except for Pathfinder before. So Joe used this to teach me to DM. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of collaborating on this project and uh, taking our our players through this these crazy dark worlds uh, of, of Grimm's fairy tales. So we've been 
doing that for about a year and, you know, kind of documenting everything and hopefully eventually be able to do something substantial with it. So we've, that's pretty much our main focus. And then of course I show run here and stuff like that too. Hey, don't forget the, uh, the one-on-one game as well. Right. I, I play in the one-on-one game. I played Neela uh, in the one-on-one game and that one's going to be published pretty soon too, uh, which started out with all um, either new players or if there was something, the, the concept was if there was something you didn't know how to do or hadn't done in D&D before, this was the place to learn to do it. So I had never in my years of playing D&D, I had avoided playing magic users. It was just, it felt very complex mm-hmm. and it was, I couldn't wrap my brain around it completely for a while. And I, um, as a career for a while, um, Andy and I both were stunt fighters and then eventually live tournament fighters, uh, sword fighters. What? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. What? <laughs> Hang on. Everyone here is way more interesting than I am. Okay? Never. Not, this is no. So cool. this is, I just yeah. I want to ask you all questions. <laughs> we are available for uh for to be guests on Tabletop Babble if you need us. <laughs> we'll even give you a discount from our usual fees. <laughs> uh, Andy, Kayla, and I, uh, for well, at least my part of it was for five years. We were the MCs and referees for uh, live steel fighting at the local Ren fairs. Uh, Kayla and Andy had been stunt fighters and and referees and marshals twenty years, yeah, more than that or so. Yeah, yeah. I started out in stunt fighting. Um, Andy did some stunt fighting, but Andy was mostly live tournament fighting, and he was very good back in the day. Uh, and then I got into tournament for a little while and ended up marshalling um, and running the shows uh, for that as well alongside Andy. Um, and when I met uh, Joe, I brought Joe into it and Joe did some fighting as well. So we've all got uh, bumps and bruises under our belts. Which which makes me, I always kind of wondered, oh, no, can, oh, I'm sorry. I was wondering if anybody can hear me. Which I can hear you. Which makes me always kind of wonder, like uh, when when I played when I played you know early you know the first first few times I played D and D, I had already come off of uh, come into it with this knowledge of um, of choreographed fighting, stunt fighting. So I you know it, it would be like my turn, and and I would say, okay, I want to strike from my wrist out to his uh, out to his neck and cut him that way, uh, you know, and like, oh, does he block it? Okay, how does he block it? Because that's going to determine my next move. And I used to my do that like, too. Yeah. <laughs> And the dude's like, dude, it's not that complicated, bro. You just like swing your weapon and you hit him. Okay, it's like, oh well, that's no fun. <laughs> ah, and and that's how you found GURPS then after that. That's that's a gate point. So wait, when you say tournament fighting, um, I assume this is not to the death. Right, uh, but no, like, no. but did we not mention not... this is Florida? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I I assume, but I'm not certain. Uh, <laughs> so... no, the the fighting was the fighting is to what we call to the yield. So it's like you beat the guy down till he says I yield, I quit. You know mm-hmm. that kind of thing, or. Or, or it'll be for points. You know, you hit the guy in the arm, he has to put his arm behind his back. If you hit him in the leg, he goes down to one knee. You hit him in the in the torso, the head, then it's a kill shot. Got it. Got it. So do you yeah. uh, do you ever refuse to yield? Like, are you just like, no, you will have to kill me. Uh, and <laughs> no, that will be on I you, sir. That. that would be my tactic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what the marshals are for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen guys get knocked on the ground and they're like, do you yield? And they're like, hell no, because it's only been like 30 seconds into the fight. You know, and we want to give the crowd a good show, so we let them back up and they go for another round. But I mean, most of the time, yeah. Uh, uh, usually, you know, it come, when it comes to that point of, you know, do you yield? Yeah, the dude's he's done. He's, <laughs> he's ready. 
Yeah, it really, it really is an endurance fight. You know, it's you, it's pretty clear by the end of that fight who is just gassed out, who is done. You know, but we have had a few guys where we've that have been stubborn, where we've had to go, nah, dude, you're done, that's it. You know, and kind of call it. But usually, because we do kind of, because it is a Renaissance kind of medieval, and we do, it's kind of a reenactment thing. There's a sense of of chivalry and honor that goes with it, mm -hmm. and most of the fighters are pretty respectable and honorable about bowing out when they need to that is so cool i'm picturing now kayla like a rocky style uh, you know uh, a Kinda. film where a andy is like your mickey and he's getting you ready to to battle you know and and it's all about like can you go the distance with the camp right you, you don't even care oh if you win God. you just want to go the distance that's great when i was tournament fighting that you was kind of the case <laughs> Andy was definitely one of my trainers for the short time that I did uh, fight live, um, and he was he was right there in my field, you know, in my corner yeah. the whole time. Did he ever have to cut you like in a boxing match? I really <laughs> no. Like, you know. no. Okay. No. no. <laughs> what the hell was it for? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah thank goodness we were wearing armor but <laughs> yeah, of course of course um so yeah so that that's you know kind of my career in a nutshell um but now mr mr joseph over here um he is by far our our fearless leader and has his his branches and tentacles and fingers and all sorts of wonderful things and i am going to let him give you the lowdown on all of this because he is he is the father of this production company i i'm okay well now i'm i whew. okay <laughs> so um no problem yeah, that's quite a build up there. Uh, my my lily has been gilded. Uh, <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> so so everything started off with Not Safe for Wizards, uh, our actual play podcast. Um, that started. We had we had played a four E campaign for almost four years, um, and I was burning out. Uh, I I had lost my job and had started doing driving for Uber and Lyft and 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 being able to plot a campaign just was was outside of my scope of of spoons at the time. So I uh, I bowed out. We took a little break. People, we tried some Shadowrun. Uh, I love we decided, Shadowrun. <laughs> we decided though shortly after trying some Shadowrun that we needed to get back into some D and D. Um, I had run some Fifth Edition uh, D and D at my previous place of work. Uh, doing lunchtime campaigns. Um, so I was like, hey, let's do fifth edition. Uh, I came up with the homebrew world idea and not safe for wizards. I was like, let's play, but I want to record this. We're going to put it out as an actual play. How do you guys feel about that? And luckily, all of my friends uh, had bought into that idea of let's record this and put this out. Um, shortly after that, that too. What? Do, do you also edit that one? Yes, I do. Ooh, Joe, <laughs> he's a busy boy. Uh, and then I, um, we started, uh, so we were playing and we were at five or six players and some friends where I was like, Oh, we'd like to play. And it's like, okay, I don't want a super big table. Um, so let's come up with a second game. And I had decided, uh, I wanted to do one because it was like friends who had never played or hadn't played fifth edition or like Kayla said, hadn't played certain classes. So it was like, let's, let's learn to play together. You know, let's have you guys learn to play together. Um, and I wanted to do a city story and I already had that in mind. And then wizards made the big announcement about dragon heist Waterdeep, mm. 
and I was like, great, I don't have to do a ton of work now because you guys have, you know, put that all in the books. <laughs> you and know? you opened the book and you were like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I have to say, um, I, I have found I found it like, Andy, it's a really great module. My only complaint is actually in the Vault of Dragons. Oh, okay. That's another part I worked on. Hit me. Hit me. Um, <laughs> so for anything to progress in there, if you don't, if none of your characters speak Dwarven, they're kind of boned. Mm, yes. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's a common complaint uh, and one that I think uh, is is a little bit of an oversight. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, that is a good, uh, a good <laughs> now, observation. Now, now to be fair, two sessions before they got there, they actually had a dwarven cleric in the party, mm -hmm. but unfortunately the player had, uh, had some life things pop up, uh, and, and she couldn't, you know, couldn't come and play on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, up until that point, we were smooth sailing and we got there and I was like, they, they can't do anything. None of them speak dwarven. They are. <laughs> I would change uh, it. I would just change it up. Like if I was homebrewing, I would just change it up to a more common language. Like, oh, undercommon. Like everybody speaks undercommon. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of like the idea too that that when that one player left, it was like, well, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than the party losing their cleric. Sorry, James, you weren't around. We couldn't bring you in. <laughs> 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 I, uh, you know what it's interesting because i've i've had that before people say that and i think oh yeah that's good there's and there's a few fixes we could have easily put in there um like one of them is uh one of the keys required for the vault um is uh involves a dwarf i'll just yes. leave it at that i don't want to i don't want to get spoilers in fact many of them involve a dwarf kind of that you might end up yeah. bringing with you uh mm -hmm. to the uh to the vault and so one recommendation that i would would make if i was redoing the adventure right was i would have advice that said like hey if you don't have a dwarf maybe one of these keys uh maybe maybe use one of these keys that is a dwarf right uh, yeah. Or maybe put a spell scroll of like comprehend languages <laughs> uh, yeah. in there. Right. <laughs> yeah. That I that we like I said up until like a couple weeks before they got to that point they had a dwarf and I had when looking at the keys um, they already had they pretty much had all of the keys without have with, with the exception of of having to go talk to uh, Laurel Silverhand. Um, they had everything they needed, so it was just like, uh, yeah. So it was like, and it was a surprise when the player dropped out. So I mean, that's my only complaint. Um, I mean, the Andy's topic about like, you know, each each location having like, you know, a couple different seasons attached to it mm -hmm. for you know for for readability, it's a little rough. But with a little prep ahead of time, that's not so bad. To be fair, I had never come across anything like that in in anything bef anything before or, yeah. or since, and I think it's dynamic. I think it's a great yeah. idea. Uh, like it's just honestly that it's there's nothing wrong with the with that idea in itself. It's just the layout of it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I don't. I, if you play on roll twenty, roll twenty has kind of set it up um, so that the information for autumn is in one handout, right? Oh, and so yeah exactly exactly okay nice i think that is uh that is helpful but i would like to award a retroactive geek point for the undercommon reference to Andy. <laughs> um, and i also uh, an even an even more retroactive geek point to uh kayla who started with oh well i don't do a lot and then yeah. proceeded to list all of the things that she does and and here's the thing 
that is the geekiest thing that one can do is say like, oh, well, I'm not really an expert in this. I've only studied Latin for 30 years, right? Uh, that's basically what you did to us, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so outside of that, I uh, I was playing regularly in a game uh, that a one of my players from my work campaign had started up, uh, unfortunately, with the virus and being all the quarantining. We haven't been able to play. Uh, he... He's working, also has a five-year-old child at home with him. So he's like time to learn how to run stuff on Roll20 or, or Fantasy Grounds has not been not been in the cards for him. So hopefully when this is all over, we'll get back to playing because I do miss playing my Dragonborn monk. Ooh, what's his name? Avendus, the awe-inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> he's totally a professional wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> he's a luchador. <laughs> um yeah, he. I, I love playing him. Uh, the the funnest the funniest part about him is uh, we rolled stats. We didn't use the array or, or point by. And uh, at the time of rolling, I didn't have a stat above thirteen. Mm. Um, and my, sounds normal and, to me. And I, <laughs> and I and I used I used strength as the dump stat for him. So. <laughs> like, oh, like, you, like you do for a monk. Right. Like, oh, Bendis, you're big and strong. I was like, ah, I'm big. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare like, to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so fun, Joe. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. I'm I'm so glad too that uh, that you're getting to experience Dragon Heist. So it's funny. Uh, the one I would say the biggest complaint um, that people often say to me is that they don't like the the title of the adventure because that makes you think that you're gonna like go on an Ocean's Eleven style quest to steal a, a literal dragon, right? Um, okay. Uh, and, uh, so this one's, this one's just for you and Andy, uh, who are running it. Right. But, uh, uh, and, and maybe Kayla, you'll get this too. Right. If, if you're, if you're in this game, I am uh, Pete, you're in this game. No, I'm not in this one. All right. So this is, we're going to leave out Pete in this inside joke. I'm going to uh, go walk away for a moment. I'm going into the isolation <laughs> chamber. Um, but, uh, I, I, during the process when we were working on it, uh, I had pitched some names, uh, and the name that I had pitched like, eh, this is a joke, but not really was, um, uh, so a dragon, right, is a what they call a coin in water deep is, is a dragon. Right. And I wanted to mm -hmm. call it dragons galore. Uh, oh, that's a key point. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm just trolling for geek points at this point. I, uh, totally okay. Uh, I did get an email back from Chris Perkins. I sent him a bunch. I like you know that name within a bunch, and he said uh, that made me both laugh and cry. Uh, so I felt accomplished, like I had done something. By I mean, the way, frankly, my I think that's all of our goal in life is to make people both <laughs> laugh and cry at the same time. I know. I mean, speaking for myself, there's no greater accomplishment, right? By the way, my party. By the way, my 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 group at this point, they refuse to believe that they are carrying the the fake stone. Really. They, yeah, yeah, I've I've shown them like twenty to twenty different ways it's the fake stone, and they're like, no, no, it's real because they <laughs> because they don't believe anything they're told anymore. Like, uh, <laughs> uh -oh. that's, a, that's a healthy dose of paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> so play with dude, play play through this game, and you'll understand what I'm talking about, Pete. That's all. I'm <laughs> so with the one-on-one -on -one game, like with you guys put out Dragon Heist, um, 
I didn't, I wasn't looking to play it directly though. I, I was like, let me, how can I deconstruct this into my own version of Waterdeep? And so for a good chunk of it, they were kind of adjacent to the Dragon Heist uh, plot. Um, so, you know, they the B team. <laughs> I, not, they weren't even like the B team. They were just like, oh, the, there was an explosion in this alley and oh, you know, we also happen to be, you know, happen to see, you know, the the kidnapped kid, and and so we just kind of took things on side on on, on different routes. Um, eventually, so we got yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I I got gently reminded by my players that they want to be the hero of the story, mm-hmm. um, which was my mistake because. I thought it would. I thought it was a cool idea to be kind of running around doing all these side things. So like they ended up. I ended up having like Charles Axelby and Neverwinter. So they end up taking Raynar back to Neverwinter um, mm-hmm. to talk to Degault and, and figure out what's going on with everything. And then they get into shenanigans with Charles Axel, which involves two of the boats being set on fire and a nimble right being stolen. Uh, <laughs> yes. By, by our one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you a geek point, Joe, because to me, uh, it was like, well, there's words. <laughs> Joe, I didn't know all that. How do you feel a nimble right? Like, <laughs> you make we friends t- with them, and then you're like, come with me. That's how totally. we have, have totally a You have a drow rogue character who goes, hey, uh, and, and, you know, and Elvish, which he believes he speaks Elvish with a, with a drow uh, dialect, you know, hey, uh, boss says, come with me, and now he has Edith. Right on. Uh, so you know, and then and then I was gently reminded by by some of my players that you know we want to be the heroes. Um, we're tired of hearing about this other group or other groups that are doing all these amazing things. So you know, next <laughs> thing you know, they're kicking in the door of the castle lantern. Well, no, they didn't kick in the door of the castle lanterns right away, but yeah, <laughs> we got there. Yeah. So <laughs> actually, just uh, yesterday, um, we kind of finished up all I want to touch on from Dragon Heist. Uh, I, I So Jarlaxle was a big bad, but it was more related to Neverwinter. And then I made the Castellaners kind of be the big bad that they were, you know, as as they would have been in summer. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I was not able to tempt them to go through a gate to hell last night. Oh, wow. <laughs> as Victoro escaped a second time. That's okay. That's okay. Did he go to hell? Did he run through a gate to hell and you didn't you didn't pursue? We did not pursue. We actually just got rid of the door and knocked over the statue and played it safe for some dumb reason. I don't know. I mean, I do think there's there's a little bit of like a oh, he went to hell. Well, that's where I was gonna tell him to go anyway. So um <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Like, you know what? You have that, buddy. Goodbye. <laughs> my favorite part then is as we're kind of wrapping up the session and they're like you know they're, they're they check in with mert to let him know what was going on and then they're like oh but he's not dead he could come back and he could come back with 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 hellish forces and stuff we're oh we're gonna have to go get him <laughs> it was an afterthought uh, as i have my copy of uh baldur's gate descent into avernus sitting yes. on my desk <laughs> Yes, a great tie-in. A great tie-in. That's awesome. Um, and, and bought bought from our, our friendly local game store, the Adventure Game Store, owned by Brian Dalrymple. We love him. Oh, yeah. I, I love Brian. Brian is a, a big, big, big friend of mine. So, uh, yeah, what a great guy. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, 
Yeah, when I when I was when I was coming up with the the courage to ask you to be on the show, I was like, I'm going to ask him what do you think because Brian's been on the show, um, mm-hmm. and he was like, James is going to be a great interview. So, yeah, do oh. it. <laughs> well, thank you. I would like to give Brian a geek point. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Geek points to Brian. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll hold so, on to that for him. <laughs> so, uh, and then Brian, of course, is with Alligator Alley Entertainment with Rich Lescaflair, another Guild adept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the guys also over there. Also a good so. friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the other things I'm doing D&D wise, I have been doing uh, learn to plays. Um, I did two in person before the uh, before the virus. I did one virtually, um, and I've done some virtual one shots, uh, pay for DMing sort of situations. Uh, where I was working with a local organization uh, called Access Granted, which they were uh, co-working space, social organization, and uh, kind of, uh, I won't say under the cover, but all of the stuff they did was definitely with uh, advocacy for the LGBTQ uh, community down here in South Florida. So, um, Unfortunately for us, they have uh, they've decided to take advocacy full time, and that advocacy is taking them to West Texas. Oh wow, West so, Texas. Yeah, to Odessa, nothing Texas. in West Texas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was I talked to them about. It. I was like, oh, so what's going on? I was like, well, they had Pride there last year for the first time, and there was a thousand people showed up. So holy crap. Wow. Yeah, they're wow. definitely That's about great. go where you're needed, and and that is definitely what they are doing. They're they're cool people. That yeah. is cool, and that's cool that that you were doing learn to plays with them too, Joe. That's that's great. Yeah, you yeah. all are doing great work through D and D. We got the two we got the two guys who who ran Access Granted. Um, we got them hooked on D and D. They went out. I don't know the week after we did our first learn to play with them, and they bought the uh, essentials kit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I have a, we run, we have a monthly campaign now that we're running over Discord, and we're going to continue running because this gives us the freedom. Discord and Roll Twenty. Um, but the one of the things they were telling me is they love D and D so much that uh, Clint, uh, their Clint and Brian is the couple. Uh, Clint has been running the Ice Spire adventure from the Essentials Kit for for his husband Brian. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, so, so I think I think you know Andy, myself, Kayla, we definitely all are about you know at least at least presenting D and D to people who may have never played it or had that stigma around it from you know when we were you know those of us who were kids in the eighties and nineties, you know the satanic panic and all the all that stuff well, it's uh, satanic but it's just cool satanic <laughs> <laughs> the satanic chill as it's right known. totally yeah, yeah. totally it's Chill now, <laughs> you know, and then, and then I, enter, I entertain these ideas every so often. Of well, I have that fir- that first level one shot I've run like three. I also did some convention, uh, run some convention games, um, and look forward to doing more convention games uh, when conventions start back up again. Um, so I have a convention, convention game, game for grade two. Ah. Um, and I and I ran I ran this one shot a couple times now, and it's like, oh, I I have some some graphic design skills, and this seems to be a good adventure. And I entertain the idea of putting this all together and putting it out there on the DMs Guild. Um, so far into that thought that I did last summer uh, when I was rehabbing uh, my shoulder after surgery, I did the Ashley Warren uh, workshop. Oh, cool. 
yes. Ashley Warren runs an amazing workshop, the the RPG Writers Workshop, um, which is just great. Yeah, I I, I did it last. Probably maybe not have been the best time to do a workshop while I I had major shoulder surgery. So (laughs) it kept you busy. It did keep me busy. Um, but but sometimes be, being able to sit and pay attention while reading things and trying to write things was a little difficult. But sure, yeah, yeah, that is a that's hardcore, sir. You are you are hardcore. Um, that's great. Yeah, but the I'm the actually give you a, a hardcore geek point. <laughs> he yeah. lives it. That's for sure. You should see our house. <laughs> um, but I, 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 you know, when I took that workshop, uh, I was lucky a friend kind of sponsored me for the uh, the pro level of it. So I have like all the the course material. So I, I've been consulting back to it as I as I take tentative steps into putting something together to publish. Wow, that is great. That so is so great. I, I have a question for James, if no one minds. Um, you've been talking all about the characters that we play and stuff and the things that you did in the past and all of the stuff that you write for are you currently playing like what's what's your like playing a character where where are you with that and what would be like your favorite character to play if you're not already you bring your work home with you there you go (laughs) uh so i i play a lot um and i i run a lot of games too um so uh you know it's important when you design to uh to run the games that you're writing for um and i also try to play a lot of other games uh so i I, you know i write and design a lot for D D. uh i wrote an original role-playing game called burn bright that i i run a lot Um, um i do a lot of running games right um and i do a lot of running things that i write before they get published so that i can see where all sort of the flaws are and and that kind of thing um but that being said now also in the pandemic uh i have a lot of games that i i play for fun uh it helps take my mind off uh the uh you know anxiety and uh state of the world that we're in right now um and it also uh seems to help my my friends quite a bit so uh so i am playing i'm running a storm king's thunder game um for my brother who's actually a nurse um and uh and uh he you know uh is seeing uh covid patients right now so it's kind of uh, that's awesome that's amazing wow yeah yeah he's he's awesome i i give him a geek point too um (laughs) i'll go ahead and pitch one over to him also yeah yeah so and this is the you know same brother uh who who sort of introduced me to D D. he did fall off uh from playing probably for 20 25 years uh or so um so he is i'm trying to figure out how old am i now so yeah about 20 years um and uh and he um uh he said like because i've gotten into it and because uh so we played through dragon heist um he wanted to do that first uh and uh this was before the the pandemic and then when the pandemic started up he said like i'd really love to to keep going uh if if you're cool with that remotely and i said yeah absolutely and so um so yeah so so i run a game for him uh i am running a game of uh of time watch um which is a gumshoe game so if you guys have ever played the gumshoe games they're really really fun uh they're great like detective rpgs uh time watch is your uh your time cops um who work for this organization called time watch who try to keep the time stream intact and there are you know um 
uh, Nazis and radioactive cockroaches and uh, psychic velociraptors who are all trying to change the timeline so that they're they're like from alternate timelines trying to make their timeline come about. Um, so it's like that kind of thing. It's got a very Men in Black sort of uh, feel to it. Uh, it's it's a little goofy. Um, oh man, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it it's, fun. it's a really great game. There's another, uh, if you like Gumshoe, there's another game called Knights Black Agents. Um, and Knights Black Agents is super spies versus vampires. Um, so like Jason Bourne, James Bond, uh, Salt level super spies, Mr. and Mrs. Smith level. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, who Both then, of the Smiths. Right. Yeah, exactly. That like there's this secret world of vampires that most people don't know about, but you do. Um, And now you have, you know, you all left the CIA or MI6 or uh, whatever Canada's uh, secret service is. Um, and, uh, and you come together, uh, to, uh, to kill vampires and ghouls and things like that. That, that are, sounds uh, like a blast. Yeah. Seriously. It's the, what might be the best adventure, uh, ever written, uh, is called the Dracula dossier. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, oh man. So you, you know about the Dracula dossier? I, I do. And I've also had the privilege the last couple of years, uh, Brian hosts at, uh, at the adventure game store. He hosts, uh, RPG escapes. Um, and he is, uh, Ken height is basically the, uh, the, he's the reason why, it, why it has taken off. Uh, so the last couple of years, it's been Ken height, Darcy Ross, um, bridge bicycle player shows up. Cause of course he's down here. Um, Hal Mangold from uh, Green Ronin. Um, we just, I'm trying to think of all the other names, but uh, Ken's been here all three years that I've gone, and he's. We've discussed uh, Knights Black Agent and the Dracula Dracula dossier, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a really cool, really cool um, workshop. They basically, the first half is them doing a Q and A uh, with with the the people who attend. And you take a, we take a little break and come back and break up and do workshops um, where like Ken and uh, Hal sit with you for you know an hour hour and a half and you know brainstorm events or brainstorm you know kind of help you show ways to you know come up with ideas for things um, and then you at a certain time they switch around and then you've got Darcy and uh, I'm trying to remember who was with her uh, but. You know, and then basically doing something similar, but with her spin on things. So, um, as a DM, GM, uh, I, I, I is great. And then as a someone who wants to be a content creator, um, kind of just learning the the skills of okay, just write down the ideas. Whatever idea comes out, just write it down and then go through it instead of trying to perfect it as it comes out of your head. You know, nothing comes cool. out. Uh, nothing comes out of your head as Athena. You know, fully formed and ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is, I mean, that is very cool. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, Ken Height and, uh, everybody, Darcy Ross, uh, are super, super knowledgeable and experienced, uh, GMs and designers. And, um, so yeah, I, I love that. And, and Dracula dossier is this great adventure where you are hunting down Dracula. Uh, and, uh, I, I, so if you've ever read the novel Dracula, it's written as a series of like diary entries and newspaper clippings and, uh, you know, um, letters that people have written to each other and stuff like that. So the idea is, and that book is also in the public domain. Uh, so they took it and they added a bunch of stuff to it. And the idea is like the novel Dracula is actually an after action report 
um, that uh, of incidents that uh, people like super spies have had with Dracula in the past. And now Dracula's back and you've got to follow the clues in this version of Dracula to see if you can find and stop him before he, you know, destroys the world. Um, that, oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah. I just I just want to get it just to read it. I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And there's like footnotes throughout. So like three different agents in three different handwritings and, and different color ink um, have noted things like in the margins. It is uh, it is incredible. It's really, really well done. And then the GM has a book that says like, hey, if the players go here, here's a bunch of different things that you could throw in at them. And so like it's all kind of improv based on like what the players read in the book and where they decide to go uh you can pick the the problem with it is that uh you have homework as players right and uh and sometimes it's hard to get your players to do their homework um, so, you know mm. they, they have to they have to want to read dracula right um but uh but oh man do i want to read dracula so uh, sorry that is a tangent uh, i do have two games where i'm actually playing um one is like an old school uh game that my friend greg runs he loves uh games from like the old school revival and so uh he is running us through a game of knave right now which is this really cool game where your equipment base uh decides all of your powers so like you can cast spells if you find a spell book um, uh, and you can, uh, you're really good at uh, swinging a sword if you find a sword that's really good to swing, like that kind of thing. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, and I am playing what has turned out to be kind of a roguey character based on the the equipment and stats that he has. Uh, but then I'm also playing in a Curse of Strahd game, and I'm playing a dwarf barbarian um, who has uh, the wild magic uh, uh, soul of the barbarian, right? Um, right. Which is this. Uh, it's right now it's a play test unearthed arcana path um that uh every time you rage you roll in a wild magic table to see what happens uh, nice wow so yeah and he's very um uh, orvo is like very nervous he's almost like uh like a like piglet from winnie the pooh um, oh, you know, he, oh that's uh, great he's yeah yeah so like he's very sweet and he's worried about like oh no did i hurt you and that kind of thing and then when he rages the wild magic takes over and he becomes a you know, a horrific monster who's out for blood. Oh, that's so much fun. Uh, I, I also, I do get to play in Kayla's fairy tale game now. Um, yes. Originally, I made a character because the party needed uh, needed someone to give them a little bit of oomph, or otherwise it was just going to be all shopping. <laughs> they like uh, shopping. <laughs> yes. So, yes. <laughs> I made a rule for myself uh, when making my, my helper characters for them is uh i didn't i wasn't going to duplicate anybody's uh class or race so it, the first world we went into was jungle book inspired um and i was playing a lizard folk uh ranger uh the monster hunter uh subclass from uh, xanathars mm. uh, really? and that was that was fun um and now they we are into neverland and i am playing a halfling sorcerer wild wild magic uh sorcery and uh i am i'm am so looking forward to getting to roll on the wild magic surge table <laughs> yes yes i um, love that table so much uh, yeah I, I was reading through it the other day to kayla i was like oh and look if i roll this uh fireball goes off centered on me uh <laughs> and i'm just going oh god i'm really new at this and now i have to deal with all this stuff and the other side of my brain is going oh this is gonna be fun mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait till he summons 1d6 flumps. Uh, that's that's always fun. <laughs> I mean, nothing puts a new DM through their paces like having to deal with, wait, what the hell is going on right now? Yes. From like every character. Oh my God. Oh, I've damn <laughs> enough games. It's, it's like you go through character creation and you get, you know, five people who are all saying to you, can I do this? And you're like, no. I mean, I, I guess technically nothing is stopping you. I ran a, a, a Star Wars game once, way, way back. And um, this was shortly after episode one came out. And someone says to me, so can I have two double-bladed lightsabers? And I'm like, no, you will cut off your own arms. What if it's two double-bladed lightsabers but fused together in like a like an X shape? I'm like, no, why are you doing this to me? Why do you hate me? It, it actually got worse from there. The next question was, can I have a, a bow and arrow that, oh, excuse me, a crossbow that shoots lightsabers? And I said, that's called a blaster. Um, oh, right. Yeah, just take a blaster. It's fine. <laughs> this is... You just, you just let your players kill themselves. If that's, This is the, the joy of having players, yeah. No, seriously, it's like, oh, oh Welcome you want... Welcome to hell, Gala. You want twin <laughs> lightsabers? You want you want twin double bladed lightsabers? Go for it. And then when you lose your arms, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's like you let the kids stick their stick the fork in the socket. That's <laughs> as, as, as a parent, I can't let them do that. I have to just yeah, cover them in, yeah, in cushions yeah. at all times. Oh wait, not I'm an uncle. I'm not a. <laughs> it's, it's always my fault when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just a bit of trivia. Andy is my children's godfather. <laughs> So wow. whereas I am the protective mother, he gets them into all the trouble. Sure. <laughs> like being an uncle. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a question. Here's here's the question that I've been stewing on, knowing that you would be coming, James. Um, oh boy, what are, don't you like about ah, So here's what I want to know: Is there anything that you can tell us about things that end up on the proverbial cutting room floor? Oh sure, yeah. Um, so uh, in in all uh game design at least that i've been a part of i don't know what that says about me um uh stuff ends up on the cutting room floor right and um it it kind of all depends on uh the the project so there are some projects uh so i've worked on seven hardcover books with wizards of the coast um can you and, list those off? I'm sorry. Can you list those off for our listeners? Because they don't know. Oh, sure. They're, they're yeah. So, uh, Waterdeep, Dragon Heist, Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh, The Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, Eberron Rising from the Last War. Uh, there's one that I am missing in there. Oh, Baldur's Gate sent into Avernus. Uh, and the upcoming mythic odysseys of Theros. That is a geek point. So, I can't even name my own two children's names. <laughs> i only they have two are, and i still i don't know who sam and jenny uh <laughs> you the tall one <laughs> you their child <laughs> it's it's basically limited to who's in my line of sight that one you whatever happened you're the one who did it <laughs> um so uh so yeah and so i've worked on all of those uh, some of them i had a larger hand in than others right um and uh and st stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor ends up on there for all kinds of reasons uh everything from uh hey we really liked what you wrote but we changed things in this one chapter and therefore had a ripple effect throughout can you change this now right mm -hmm. um, or mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. uh in the case of some books that i've worked on uh 
hey, we told you that this book was going to be 238 pages, but actually it's 208 pages now um, because uh, we had mm-hmm. to cut pages out for shipping costs or for whatever reason. So some of your stuff had to go because some of everybody's stuff had to go right um, to like, uh, you know, like, yeah, when we when we really sat back and thought about it, we were like, oh, maybe we don't need this section for whatever reason. Um, or we we changed it around and and this is where it ended up. Um, so there's a lot of things there. Uh, I can't uh, because when you when you write work for someone, right, um, you essentially what happens is they buy your work. And they say, we get to do whatever we want with this. Uh, sure. Which okay. means that they could release things in the that are on the cutting room floor uh, on the DMs Guild or as part of Dragon Plus or oh, that makes sense. some other way. So I can't say too much about things that have uh, that like didn't make it um, uh, because the, it technically still could come out. And so I'm technically still under non-disclosure agreements for that stuff. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. I get you. But... I will, you know, just because just because we're all friends here and nobody else is listening, right? Um, <laughs> My lips are sealed. I will say that there was an early draft of Descent into Avernus uh, where uh, at one point um, there may or may not have been evil flumps. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and I am I am bummed that it didn't make it in. I totally understand why it didn't. It was, you know, there was a big story change uh that made sense to make and everything like that and the evil flumps are on the cutting room floor and because of the way the story has changed i'm sure we'll never see the light of day uh so uh yeah it was uh man it that was is a true tragedy wait wait, wait 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 you're gonna tell me that evil flumps didn't make it in but we got abyssal chickens yeah, what the hell yeah. is up with that? Hey, listen, abyssal chickens are great. Uh, if, yeah, but, you know, but, but evil flumps would have been better. I mean, let's just, let's just be real here. So, James, you know, did you tell they're evil because they had a goatee? Is that yeah. how they them? <laughs> so it was a, it was a, it was meant to be like a, a, a ruse, right? Like you see these flumps and they're trapped and. Um, they're worried someone is going to eat them and they're begging you to let them out of this cage. And then when you do, they immediately start attacking you. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was a total rug pull. Like that's, that's some very cheap <laughs> game design to do, you know, to be like, ha evil flumps. Everything's bad in hell. Right. Um, but the, one of the fun things that's fun about flumps is their color changes, right. As their uh-huh. mood changes and stuff. Um, and so it was, you know, the idea was that they, uh, they couldn't necessarily control that. And so you could kind of fake them out if you thought they were lying. And, and if you knew enough about flumps, their color would change. Uh, and you'd be like, oh no, these flumps, they want to fuck some shit up. They're not, they're not, uh, nobody's going to eat them. They, they just want to fuck with you, these flumps. Uh, I, I 100% visualize the movie version of this where someone's like, okay, and reaches for like the cage door and someone else grabs the wrist and goes, no, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it would be like a scene out of Indiana Jones, right? Um, you know, Sala is about to to open the cage, and Indy stops them and is like, you know, "Don't do that." That is absolutely a geek point. I love yeah. that. Totally. <laughs> absolutely. It's <laughs> not kosher here. Why um, did it have to be flumps? <laughs> That's a geek point. That's a point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm totally putting flumps in my game now. um james we could go on for hours and i definitely would love to have you back on 
but anytime, let's uh, anytime I would love to come back on. That'd be great. Awesome. Um, let's get to some geek news. Uh, what do folks have for stuff going on in the geek world? Um, I'm trying to think. I had something. I forgot what it was. All right. Well, um, I, uh, again, uh, as as news of the uh, Mandalorian second season trickles out to us, uh, this week was announced uh, the casting. Or I since they've already shot it, I guess calling it the casting of is like he was cast like last year. Uh, Timothy Oliphant from Justified and uh, a bunch of other shows, but Justified is where he's probably best known from i like to refer to him as oh i almost spoiled the show that i know you're watching for you never mind (laughs) i'm gonna sit back down now Uh, and one of the other uh rumors about uh about his casting is uh rumors that he was seen on set wearing the armor of one boba fett so dun 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 Mm. i don't i don't see the point in doing that me personally i don't see the point it's like you're gonna have a star come on like a, a guy who was who's like timothy oliphant who i know for a fact in his in his interviews and stuff like that and people that have talked about him that he is a little bit uh a little bit on the egotistical side and would not want to cover up his face yeah maybe it's just an acting challenge i mean it is it is something to be able to say that you can act in a mandalorian suit and do it well sure yeah and, and um, the other side of it the other side of it is, you know, as we saw in like Clone Wars and everything, you know, all the other up to the Mandalorian, seemed like a lot of the other Mandalorians had no problem popping their helmets off. <laughs> True. True enough. I wonder if, if like maybe Boba Fett feels fine popping off the helmet because Django was doing it. You know, he's like, hey, listen, I'm I'm just a clone of Django. Uh, my dad was all about popping off the helmet and like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it too. Maybe that's what it was. You know, that's I, an interesting thought, you know, because like, does, does Boba really understand what it is to be a Mandalorian? Because he basically just picked up his father's armor. Yeah. Well, that's, um, reading some, some stuff online. That's been a lot of, uh, question is, you know, cause, uh, apparently there are some, some things that Jango Fett's armor was not actually, uh, Besklar. It was some other uh, metal that basically he stole. He ripped. He culturally appropriated Mandalorian oh battle armor. <laughs> oh. I'm going to give James a geek point, and I'm also going to give Joe a geek point for actually remembering the name of that metal because I couldn't remember to save my life. That's car. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, if you're got Disney Plus and you're watching uh, the Mandalorian gallery, oh. uh, Star Wars gallery, the Mandalorian. Uh, this week, they touched on the technology of the Mandalorian. Um, and one, how much Unreal, uh, the Unreal engine, is part of the production. Oh, that's interesting. No way. Yeah, it's really cool. That's, yeah. that's awesome. I haven't cool. had a chance to watch last week's yet. Hmm. It, is, it is a must-watch. Uh, both the Legacy, all the episodes are a must-watch. Um, but this one, we, we sat there and we're just like, wait, you mean they weren't like in Arizona or, or New Mexico shooting those desert scenes? Because, um, but then it made sense because like Favreau was talking about, um, you know, you're able to shoot sunset or sunrise scenes multiple times and not have to worry about catching, you know, golden hour. Yeah. So super yeah. cool. Yeah, that episode is really, really good. I remembered. I remembered what my geek subject was, or what what my my story was. 
uh, it was actually going to be on Kayla's uh, recommendation to me the other day uh, that I watch uh, uh, the the first episode of a little show that just premiered on Hulu called The Great. Yes. yes. Okay. Um. Not impressed. No. Not Im- no. No. Huh. I, I I I understand. I understand the basis of it, and I I get the humor behind it. Um. I just feel like like it needs to pick a path. Uh. Whether or not whether or not it wants to be like super dark and gritty or funny. I liked the combination of the two, and I'm going to get in trouble because Andy also gave me an assignment, and I did not get to it. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) Well, let me ask James. James, do you watch, um, or have you ever watched Community? Yes. Yes. Are you a fan of it? Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I watched it through, like, uh, I don't know, whenever it came out. Uh, yeah, and I have not revisited it. Yes. Okay. Well, they just put it back on Netflix, and uh, uh, and I gave Kayla the assignment. I said, "Just watch the first episode. Please go watch this. Watch it." She goes, "Okay, I will." She never did. I was a terrible right. person, and oh, I well, did. Yeah. yeah. My, my audio broke up for a second. Did you say community? Is that what we're talking about? Community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> a, a, a wonderful show that showcased Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah, twice. You know, there you, twice. Twice. There you go. Yeah. There you go. The first one was called what? Dungeons and Dragons, and the second one, or second episode, was called uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which I thought was hilarious. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is a it is an extremely funny show. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, I, I'm a big big fan of the Dean uh, on Community. Oh yeah, Jim Unsung Rash. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Craig Belt. Jim Rash is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually does he actually does some really great voice work too. I just saw. Dean. What's that? I just said it's the Dean. did you know Uh, that jim rash also has an oscar uh, yes yeah because he's an award-winning screenwriter uh for the descendants oh i did not realize that i'll give a key point for that yes he is um he's also he's also the voice of the riddler on on the harley quinn cartoon show oh wow oh that's great casting that's great (laughs) that's like perfect (laughs) casting right (laughs) So, um, but no, my, uh, but so the great, uh, the great, I don't know, James, if you don't know this, but what this one's about, it's, it's literally, uh, it's loosely based on, um, the, the life and time, the historical account of, of Catherine the Great. Uh, oh, and, okay. And, yeah. And, and, uh, Russia and blah, 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 you know, uh, it's got some, got some decent casting in it, some interesting people, Nicholas Houts in it, uh, he, who we of course know from, um, playing Beast in the current X-Men films. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he is, you know, a British actor. He's playing the, uh, the emperor of Russia. Uh, and he's absolutely, his character's absolutely brainless. Um, he's like, like if there were like a brainless jock in that era, it would be this guy. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, Kayla, I get what you're saying where you were like, you know, it, you, you would get the humor, which I totally do. But like I said, I just think it needs to pick a lane on, on whether or not it wants to be dark and gritty kind of thing, because it's like, I was like laughing along, laughing along, and then like the second half of that first episode just it got dark. Yeah, it got super dark really yeah. quick, and I'm like, "Whoa, what just happened?" Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those shows that almost you feel like it aims to make you a little uncomfortable, yeah. and I think that's what's interesting about the writing is it's it, there's this kind of emotional journey, and you're laughing, and it's funny, and it's silly, and it's weird, and then like something really messed up and dark happens, and you're like, "Whoa." And it just takes you down this like slide that you didn't see coming. And I, I think it's interesting for that. 
you know, that it's just kind of brilliant and how it's written that way. But yeah, you know, everybody has different opinions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I want to check it out. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Uh, and uh, Elle Fanning uh, plays the role of Catherine the Great. There you go. Oh, yeah, she's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, she is. Uh, Pete, you got anything? Well, uh, I unfortunately don't really have anything for news per se, though I will, since we are talking a little bit about what we're watching also which um, I know is a big deal for people who are looking for things to watch because they're running out of shows. Um, I did catch over the weekend uh, the second season, which was just released on Friday, of Amazon Prime's Homecoming, um, season two starring Janelle Monet, um, following up on season one, which starred Julia Roberts. Um, it's not exactly a genre show per se, but it is a super intriguing show. Um, it is put together by Sam Esmail, who put together um, Mr. Robot. Um, this is this whole series has clearly been his love letter to all things Hitchcockian. Um, I think the filming is is beautiful. The episodes are only about twenty five minutes long, and there's only I think seven of them in season two. So I jammed through it on Sunday uh, real quick, and uh, it's great. It's a very tense, very suspenseful show. Um, they advertise, and I would say that it's true that it's a little bit of an anthology where season two can kind of be, be, be watched independently of season one, but you gain a lot more from watching it. There are interconnections though. It's, it's, it's kind of its own story in season two. Um, it deals a lot with the interesting, the, the show in general with the topic of, of, uh, soldiers returning home from, from overseas and PTSD and how we, we deal with that and how we treat it. Um, and it deals a lot with the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and it's just, it's very, very, it's very interesting, worthwhile show. Well, you know, I, I know that I have a, a standing reputation for being very snobby and pretentious in the things that I enjoy. So <laughs> this goes right into the snobby pretentious basket. And I recognize that maybe that's not for everybody, but I like a show that has a lot of washed out camera filters and, and weird <laughs> angles and, uh, comes down to an ending uh, where the credits start rolling and and we just see somebody sitting in a hallway with ambient sound um, because that's how I roll. I, you know what? Whatever. I, that's fine. I, I, I live it. That's, that's me. You don't like it? Uh, that's fine. Go go watch your uh, your Jersey Shores. <laughs> wow. Those are the only two options. <laughs> One or the other. You watch pretentious shit with me or you go watch yourself some, some Jersey Shore and uh, Terrace House. I, I actually just remembered I had one more thing that I thought was really interesting on a science, uh, uh, from a science point of view. Um, I have spoken before about this, about this series, uh, this YouTube series called uh, 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 Film Theory or Game Theory. Mm -hmm. uh, they have, you know, they have a huge, huge following. They have a lot of, they have like over, they, they have over a million viewers, all that. You know, they're, they're, he's this guy, Matt Pat, he's awesome. Uh, we can add him to the three mats already, and we'll have like four mats. Quad, Matt quad, quad, Matt quad, Matt. Uh, but, uh, uh, I think my brain just exploded. <laughs> this past week, he uh, he had put out a video where he was talking about he's actually tackling the science of Rick and Morty and like how things work in that world. Uh, and the first one up was how does Rick's portal gun actually work? And for that, he actually got uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to come on his show. And wow, that's a get. Wow. <laughs> Hell yes, it is. So he gets Neil deGrasse Tyson on, and, Neil, and Neil's basically like, you know, he goes, the first thing you should never do is take any of your, get any of your, of your scientific fact from cartoons. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
I have based most of my science through my life on things Wiley e. Coyote did to try to catch the Roadrunner. That was not right. what, so far. No, like no. <laughs> I, I'm planning a trip right now to to head out to to the uh, to the desert so I can walk off a cliff and make it at least five or six steps before I look down. <laughs> yeah, don't look. Just don't look down. You'll make it all. As long the way as I don't far. look down, I'm fine. Right. I feel like that should be a D and D feat. Don't look down. Um, so yeah, so like the, so the first half of it, he actually, you know, uh, well, well for the, for that episode, uh, he, they talk about, you know, what it would take to what, you know, the actual definition of a portal is versus dimension traveling and blah, 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 and this and that. And then, uh, uh he, he says, uh, Neil says, if you want, if you want to get the second half of this lesson, this conversation, you're going to have to come to my channel, which is, uh, called Star Talk, uh, yes. in which he hosts, uh, yeah, in which he hosts, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, basically the same, the same kind of thing. He just talks about, you know, <laughs> the actual science behind it. And um, uh, they actually were uh, trying to reach uh, over a million views uh, or, or over a million followers. And I'm, and I am uh, happy to report that they did that uh, last week. So they're going to get that, that gold um, uh, YouTube plaque, which is awesome. That gold YouTube button. So kudos to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Joe, I have a question. Yes, sir. Can we get Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> they give you a lot of geek points if you get Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> we'll make geek points, see what we can do. <laughs> get, get Neil deGrasse Tyson and Dr. Dan at the same time. Oh, <laughs> that would be interesting. I'm going to mute my mic and sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, what do you, what do you have geek-wise? Um, not a whole lot going on. Um, I tend to to focus on on like Disney stuff and some girly stuff. Um, uh, the um the the season finale of Motherland uh just came out. Um, which I am just oh my god, absolutely incredible. A lot of fun. If you guys are interested in in uh, geeking out over some some interesting kind of weird sideways pagan stuff with some incredible social commentary that's buried that you kind of got to really pay attention but they they get it in there in some really interesting ways uh motherland is a lot of fun um discovered something this morning that i thought was really cool it's called zenimation uh yes, that's zenimation. zenimation it's on disney plus uh it's um they basically broke down disney movies into different elements so like the first one is water and they go through all the like disney major motion pictures uh and take they strip out all the other uh sounds in the scenes except for the water so like in moana and and uh a bunch of other ones uh, the, the rain and uh, like anything like that that had like a water sound effect they kind of string together in this really interesting almost meditational uh uh, amalgam of of disney movies uh that have water in them and like, there's another one that's on wind and there's another one and there's all all different there's one that's on cityscapes and it just goes through all of these different beautiful cityscapes that disney has done uh in animation and it's really cool i get really. the word i get the word zen animation exactly and it, it's like a meditation you sit there and you watch just this and it's what was so fascinating to me is like I've always been kind of a fan of um, my geeky my geeky side starts showing when you talk about uh, special effects and and uh, old foley stuff and things like that and sound effects and how they layered all of these different sound effects. So then when they strip out like the music because the music you know music is used in in Disney I mean the uh, to great effect in in setting the tone for things, but when you strip it out and you hear 
the sound of Moana touching the side of a boat mm-hmm. or the footsteps in the sand or all of these little things. And you just go, wow, every layer that's put into this that you may not completely register when you're watching the movie has a voice, has a place, is a personality within that scene was just blew me away. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, and I had a lot of fun with that. That kind of like was our, our morning meditation was, was sitting and watching that this morning, mm-hmm. which was super cool. So if anybody wants to check that out, um, let me know what you think. It it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and my piece de resistance this uh, this week, I was so so excited and moved to tears to see um, Pixar's Out. Yeah. Uh, Has anybody watched this yet? Out? No, I haven't seen that yet. It's a yeah. uh, short on Disney Plus right now. Um, go ahead, Kay. It is probably the first. I think it's the first time in Disney slash Pixar history um, that the LGBTQ subject has been presented full face. It's not a little suggestion. It's not a couple of characters dancing across the camera in a scene. It's not maybe, you know, kinda. It is right there, right in your face. This is what it is. It is the story of a gay couple who one of them is having trouble coming out to his parents. And Hmm, there's this little magical twist, of course, because it's Disney um, and Pixar. And there's this little beautiful magical twist uh, that happens in it that kind of uh, brings the emotion to it. That is just absolutely incredible. It is a nine minute short. It is worth your time. I am so impressed with Pixar. I've always been a Pixar fan, but I am so impressed with the bravery and it is so needed in this time. It's, I'm I am absolutely blown away. It is so well done. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Excellent. Cool. I look forward to seeing that. I'll see it soon. Yeah, that sounds great. The a- animation style uh, looks amazing too. I have not seen it, but I saw the the trailer for it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not yeah. your typical Pixar like plastic crispness. It's got a texture to it. Yeah, cool. it looks like a like a cool. Uh, like a really artsy children's storybook, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly what it looks like, and I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, it's right. very cool. Um, I actually have a question for James, if it's okay with everybody else. Sure. No, it's not okay. It's not okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to let it go this um, time. You, you'll let it go this time. Uh, James, just just for, you know, to satisfy our, our, our geekdoms and our geekiness, uh, what kind of sacrifice do we have to place on the altar of Perkins to get a decent Dungeons & Dragons film? <laughs> uh, that is a great question. So uh, I've been following the Dungeons & Dragons film story for a while, right? And it was, uh, uh, to make a long story short, it was caught up in a, some litigation. Um, sort of who had the rights to it uh, was this okay. uh, really interesting story. Um, and so now I believe the rights are with Warner Brothers, I want to say, okay. uh, currently has. And and there have been all sorts of, uh, over the last six years, all kinds of rumors about, um, I think, excuse me, uh, I think uh, Ansel Elgort was attached at one point. Uh, to the film, um, so wasn't Joe Mangiello or or was yeah, he, he the, there was it was rumored like, he had written a script. He like took a sh- uh, a picture of a a cover of a script that yeah, he had dragged the bottom's Twilight or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Dragonlance novel that he yeah. had uh, adapted. So there are all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of rumors um, there. Uh, so uh, of course we remember the greatest Dungeons and Dragons film of all time, starring <laughs> Jeremy Irons and Marlon Wayans. Uh, oh, God. In the year God, Jeremy Irons um, is the best. I love him so much. This is not even a joke. I love Jeremy Irons. Uh, so he could not stuff enough scenery into his mouth. Oh, oh my god, and I loved every second of it. I knew like I knew I shouldn't, but I did. Oh, to be fair, I, I Jeremy Irons, he is not the worst part of that movie at no. all. He's not by far. One of the best parts, for sure. No, Damodar's blue lips are the best part of the, are the worst yeah, part no. of that movie. <laughs> Legitimately, I, I consider Jeremy Irons in that one of the best. I'm not even joking. I love him in that movie. In the most ridiculous, <laughs> in like a Nicolas Cage kind of style, but I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also like he's in a different movie than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually so, saw the movie in the theater. Yeah. I did too. So did I. So did I. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy about that movie is, so in the year 2000, uh, the person who bought the rights to the to Dungeons and Dragons to make the movie bought them for fifteen thousand oh, uh, dollars. Oh, that hurts my heart. Yeah, like that's like you know, if we got enough friends together, we could buy the rights to the Dungeons <laughs> Dragons movie in the year right. 2000. Um, you know, uh, so so that's a uh, it's pretty pretty crazy uh, because now I'm sure they would hopefully go for much more than that, um, and hopefully did. So I think they are. I think they're desperate to find something that is going to work and. Uh, uh, so my my other uh, my other job, in addition to game designers, I write and produce TV commercials, uh, and I've worked in television and film for a while. Uh, and it's just that these things take forever, um, and uh, the fact that they're not rushing it is probably a good thing, provided somebody doesn't hit the gas real hard at some point. And right now, uh, no television and film is getting made. So uh, you know, except uh, if it's animated, uh, because that's something that everybody can do remotely and safely and siloed. Um, so uh, or John Krasinski's some good news. Um, so those are the two kinds of television you're allowed to make. Um, uh, so I think I'm uh, a geek point for that. <laughs> Thanks. My follow up, my follow up to that is 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 let's say let's let's say you were writing it. What's what kind of story would you tell? Oh, that is a great question, right? So uh, I think if if you said to me you can write the D and D movie. Uh, I would first ask, like, could it be a TV show? Right? Yes. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Amen. Because uh, I think, I do think most D&D campaigns we think of as uh, television shows with long story arcs, right? Um, Absolutely. But if we weren't, what I would do is I would look at some of the great D&D one shots that have happened over the years, right? Like what's a because that's what a movie is. A movie is a one shot. If a, if an episode, uh, if if a multi season campaign is a is a TV show, right? Or a multi session campaign is a TV show. So um, I would sort of think of it in those terms. And then I know that they were talking about taking a lot of inspiration from Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think is a good idea. I would look at. Uh, ensemble shows um you know uh to to sort of get an idea of like what is the feel we can get here right um so uh, i've been watching a lot of the expanse 
uh, reading a lot of the expanse, which actually oh, started. Yeah, yeah, it started as a play by post uh, uh, RPG game uh, way, oh. way back in the day. It was like a D20 modern hack somebody made on a on a forum. Uh, and then oh, wow. two of the guys adapted it for a novel. And now it's a TV show and all this kind of stuff. Right. So and back to being a, a RPG game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think if I was going to do something uh, like if I had to make a Dungeons and Dragons story, right, um, I would definitely want it to be dragon centric and I would want it to be high magic. And I'm going to I'm going to uh, say that I think um, of a lot of the material we have available, uh, I think Dragon Heist could be a very interesting kind of adventure that would be different from a lot of typical fantasy fair because it takes place in a city. Uh, you'd get to show off a lot of the high magic of water deep and stuff. Um, and there may or may not be a dragon or so in that adventure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, so so I think that that is a kind of part of the, the fun. Um, and I think you also get to touch on some famous Forgotten Realms characters who you could yeah. spin off, right? Like, like you'd get to show off uh, Manchu and Jarlaxle and... Yep. Uh, Laurel Silverhand, um, right? And you could take it in all kinds of different directions, right? Like you could take it to hell with the Castle Lanterns if you want to. Yeah, Mert, right? Like Mert's a fun guy. You could take it down to to um, uh, Thunderbound. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of fun ways to go, and that would help set it apart from Lord of the Rings uh, and 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 be the like magic everywhere kind of fantasy. But for my own selfish reasons, I would want to set it in Eber. Uh, so <laughs> Eberon's a great setting, though. Eberron's a wonderful setting. It would be it's it's. I feel Eberron is very um, uh, movie centric. Like it's like it's like as far as like. The idea of shooting something that you know for for look and feel, it would have it would have a great appeal. Yes, agreed. I agree a thousand yeah. percent. Yeah, uh, I, I played in an Eberron campaign in fourth edition, and we we stylized the campaign as being you're just watching episodes of an old uh, like thirty serial movie. Um, so every like every two episodes, we were leveling up. Um, and it was like, yeah, well, there's stuff going on that like you don't see Gunga Din and the Gunga Din like every day of Gunga Din's life, you just see, oh, Gunga Din in the temple of whatever. Um, right. And that we did that. And we did that set in Eberron. And that was just so, so great, you know, everywhere from, you know, going from the Talenta Plains all the way down to Zendrik and all spots in between. Yes, did you do that's that? how to do it. Did, did you intro every episode like the like the 1930s newscasters? You know, when we left, left off the other. <laughs> we... <laughs> We actually are. We would. We also did a lot of stuff via forums uh, for it, and yeah, there were a lot of uh, each after each session. We would write up and uh, do like you know a previously or you know last time you saw our heroes. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we have been going for a bit. Uh, let's uh, go to the big board. Oh, okay. The big board, which is now my cell phone. Um, <laughs> I think it is it is safe to say that James, you have blown us all away. Um, and James comes in first with a nine. Actually, oh I, I wanted to give a I wanted to give a point during the uh, talking about the Expanse's origin. Um, so let's put that bump that up to ten. That's a wow. ten. Okay, ten key points. James. <laughs> Definitely our winner tonight. A close second coming in behind him is Andy with seven. I know. Uh, 
<laughs> Behind the fist of cuffs battle because I definitely would have yielded immediately. So <laughs> it's, it's not about the points, James. It's not about we all have our skills. <laughs> Um, Joe comes in behind them with a solid five, Woo! and uh, <laughs> Pete and I tie for three. So, James, as the geekiest this week, it is your right, your privilege to uh, tell us how and where we can find you, plug anything that needs plugging. So, the stage is yours. Great. So, uh, I think the first thing to mention is that I have a book of. Uh, boss battles that I am kickstarting that I worked on with Mike Shea, aka Sly Flourish, and Scott Fitzgerald Gray. Um, you can find out more about that at fantasticlayers.com and you can sign up to be notified when the Kickstarter goes live on June 1st. Uh, and then I'm also at worldbuilderblog.com, don't split the podcast network.com, and twitter.com slash James Intracasso. Excellent. Andy. Hey guys, you guys can find me uh, as always at the uh, <clears throat> my tavern page, uh, which is the Critical Hit Tavern and Gaming uh, on Facebook. Uh, still trying to get that up off the ground. Uh, and uh, it's going to happen one day. And mark mark my words. Um, also, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, uh, usually at uh, uh, the underscore uh, critical underscore hit. And yeah, that's me. Okay. Uh, Pete. Yeah, that's me. Uh, you can find me on uh, Not Safe for Wizards, an actual play 5th edition D&D podcast playing Orion, the Paladin of Vidar. You can find me uh, twitting. I am at the It's Just Pete. You can uh, email me your questions and comments about this show or any show, because I'll answer questions about any show, even if I've never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I am geekiestpete at gmail.com. And you can find me generally shilling myself as vo voice talent for any, I don't know, dramatic podcast that maybe you're running. I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I'll mail people headshots and, and that's probably not an applicable thing for a, a voice-based yeah, podcast. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand how any of this works. So I'm just going to go back to bed now. Good night. <laughs> Kayla. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at Hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram, which is kind of my main hub uh, of all things geeky, at Geekiest Kayla. Uh, you can find me if you're looking for thrift store stuff. Uh, we're real big on um, conservation and upcycling and all of that. And our thrift store tends to be quite geeky and witchy as well. So you can check us out on all the social medias at Secondhand Goddess. Um, and we will hopefully, if all goes well, be opening up again in the next couple of weeks uh, on a limited basis. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll see uh and you can also of course find me playing jade on not safe for wizards the dnd fifth edition actual play podcast uh you can also find our uh our ebay yes. uh, stuff at uh, secondhandgoddess.net for myself you can find me on twitter at demorgus that's d-e-m-o-r-g-u-s uh you can find my blog which hasn't been updated in a bit at the evolving dm uh, you can find anything for this show at The Geekiest Pod across all the social medias. Uh, you can also email us at thegeekiestpod at gmail.com and keep an eye out for the Evolving DM stuff because I will be getting learn to plays and one shots back up sometime soon. Uh, also, you can find me as the DM of the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play podcast where I get to play all the voices except for the characters. 
so with that, uh, again, we would like to just thank everybody for staying safe. Uh, for Absolutely. those folks out there, the essential workers who are taking care of people, including your brother, James, uh, we offer our deepest, uh, our deepest love uh, and, and admiration for what you guys are doing. Agreed. Um, and James, tell your brother yeah. I said I love him. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for your essential work, Pete. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying so. Um, so please keep yourself safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> uh, Stop touching yourself. <laughs> Whatever. Stop touching your face. You can touch the rest. Okay. All right. um, as long as you're in public. We, <laughs> we, we thank you. Ah, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and the show falls apart. Good night, folks. We thank you for listening this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. We love you. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture uh that would definitely help us thanks for listening the preceding program was brought to you by armored bear productions